Okay, good morning, everybody. So great to see everybody, everybody in the lounge upstairs in the service online, everybody here today. Hey, somebody once said to me, hey, I'll come over to your house and help you clean out your gutters. They didn't show up. Whatever happened to commitment, right? right whatever. Or somebody volunteers to help you coach soccer. They don't show up. Whatever happened to commitment? Or somebody said, I'll come over and sign that business contract, and they didn't show up. And then you begin to think, whatever happened to commitment in things as well? Or somebody says to you, I love you, and they put a ring on your finger, and you get married, and then they walk out. That's tough stuff, right? Very difficult stuff, very difficult, and you wonder whatever happened to commitment. Or you just wait for a return phone call. Hey, you're going to call me. They didn't call. And then you'd be like, what happens to commitment in life? We don't want to be committed to anything anymore. That's kind of the, maybe the, the motif that we face in America today. We don't want to be committed to a job. We don't want to work. We don't want to be committed to relationships. We don't want to be committed to long-term investments of our lives. We don't want to be committed to church. We don't want to be committed to, well, you just name it. And the feeling that people have is, I want to keep my options open. I just want to have, I don't want to fill my plate from the buffet of things to be committed to and come to the, well, the realization I got the wrong stuff on my plate. And then you feel like you blew it. And then you just throw it away and you start all over. And we just want to keep our options open. And the tragedy is this, that we think that life is not, is not long-term commitments. We think it's just a short-term thing. But I want to tell you that's not it at all. Because, because though you can't go through life without being committed to some things. You can't get a driver's license without having commitments. You, you can't get married without having some commitments. There are all kinds of things in life that you need to have commitments for. You can't buy a house without a commitment, a long-term commitment. Here's our big idea today, and this is simply this. I believe this wholeheartedly. Commitments have the power to change my life. Commitments do. Now, let's think of it this way. God is committed to you. God's committed to you. He's so committed to you that Jesus came. He died on the cross. He rose again for you. And then when we make a commitment to God... That begins to shape and mold us, and, and it changes who we are, and that kind of powerful commitment just changes our lives, and it just shows what, what we value when we think about our commitments. You know, there's no such thing as love without commitments, right? So, so you don't say to somebody, uh, I love you, and then you don't want to have a commitment to them, right? I mean, that's just, that's just, Silliness, that's manipulation as well. Jesus kind of said this in Matthew 6, 24. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, right? Or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other, right? You can't serve both God and money, right? So Jesus is saying that as well, that commitments are important. Our commitment of our time speaks to us. Our commitment of our finances, our commitment of our emotional energy Right now, people are low on emotional energy. The tank is empty, man. But you know what? Commitments have a way of changing our lives. And really, an uncommitted life is really a life that just kind of flounders in the water and just kind of floats with the current when you have an uncommitted life. But when we have commitments in life, it just changes us. In fact, if you don't have commitments in life, what you're really saying is, it's all about me, and I'm selfish, 
And I don't want to be committed to anything but myself, right? I just want to be committed to me. And that's what happens with the uncommitted life. We're just saying, I just want to be committed to myself. If I were able to sit down with, with you and just talk about your life and we could talk to each other and then uh, I could hear about your commitments in life, I would have a pretty good idea after an hour of where your life is going. And likewise, you'd have a pretty good idea of mine. Because what we're committed to today determines in a large measure where we're going in the future. It's just the way it is, and that's why we need to talk about commitments in life. Now then, as I said, commitments have the power to change my life. And you see, I have this little theory that everybody here needs to change today. In fact, let's just do this. I know it's kind of weird. Just turn to the person next to you without breathing on them. <laughs> and if you're at home, you, you can just do that easily, right? And just say to them, you need to change. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. I didn't tell you to tell them why they need to change and how they need to change, okay? I could hear that muffling like I'm going to tell them more they need to change. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, see, we, we all need to change, and how do, we, how do we really change? And I can guarantee you this, we're not going to change by willpower. We're going to change by where we make commitments. And I can think of all kinds of examples in the Bible where people's lives were changed because of their commitments. Esther is a great example. Daniel is a great example. Moses is a great example. Right, right. Ruth is a great example. There are so many fantastic examples of men and women in the Bible who have made commitments and it's just transformed not only themselves. Think about this. When I begin to change, it influences other people. It just does. So today we're going to look at somebody who made an enormous commitment. And we're going to talk about commitment today. And we're going to talk about a guy named Noah. Okay, and it's in Hebrews eleven seven. He's the flood guy. If you're not very familiar with the Bible, I'll go through it with you. You'll get, you'll get the idea. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By faith, no one warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark. An ark is a big ship, in case you didn't know, uh, to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that is keeping with uh, faith. So I want you to circle, if you're taking notes, that, that thing. Warned about things not yet seen. There's something coming. And Noah, he built this big ship and ark, and it took him 120 years. It's a really long time to build an ark. And, and so I want us to know the backstory of Noah, because Hebrews 11:7 is a New Testament phrase, and it's about Noah's faith. But in Genesis chapter 6, we read about Noah. It says this, The Lord saw the great wickedness of the human race, had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of, human, of the human heart was only evil all the time. Things were bad. Okay? Horrible. So the Lord regretted that he made human beings on the earth. That's a strong statement, right? It's so bad, God is weeping about the condition of human beings. That's how bad it is, man. And it's... Uh, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I'm going to wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created. And with them, the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground. And I'm going to have a fixer-upper project 
for Chip and Joanna. It doesn't say that, but that's kind of the idea, except it's Noah, man. Noah and Mrs. Noah, they're going to do it, right? right? For I regret that I made them, but Noah found favor, that's the word grace, in the eyes of the Lord. So God is going to start all over. He's wiping the slate clean. And he picked a guy named Russell Crowe. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. It hurts my feelings. So it's the movie, man. Anyway, picks Noah to start all over. He picks Noah. Noah's the guy. And what do we learn about Noah? In verse 9 it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. Hey, by the way, the term walked with God is rarely used of anybody in the Bible. There's Noah and there's Enoch and maybe one other person, but that's it. So he walks with God. He's a righteous person. And then verse 15, it says what he's going to do. This is how you should make it. The ark, the big boat, should be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. So it's huge. And Noah saves, he saves the earth. And he's the first conservationist, first environmentalist, let's put it this way. Got all the animals on. He's going to save everybody. He's going to repopulate the earth. It's all about Noah at this point. And in fact, the reason that it condemns the world is because God is giving people a long time to repent because it takes Noah 120 years to build an ark. It's a long time. God gives him the blueprints and he begins to make it as well. So Noah has this commitment to God. It's, 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 it's a lifetime commitment. So my question is, what does it take to have commitments like Noah? Because as you make commitments to God, it changes your life. Your willpower does not change you. It's your commitment to Jesus Christ that changes you. How can we have those kind of commitments? So I want to talk about that because Noah is a great example of that. Number one, Noah is going against the crowd. He's go- Nobody else is righteous. Noah's the one that stands out. He's the example of faith. He's running contrary to the beliefs and the values of the people around him. He's running contrary to them. Many people have those difficulties as well today. In your workplace, many people are running up the corporate ladder and they're cutting corners. But you as a follower of Jesus, you don't cut corners. That puts you in conflict and contrary to other people because you're going to live with some ethics. And they say, well, why don't you just change this little wording here on this contract? It'll go easier. And you're like, no, I'm not comfortable with that. You tell your coworker, we're not going to cut those corners. Conflict. Or you take the area of sexual purity. I mean, that's really in conflict with the world. And so, and so you make some lifestyle commitments to purity, and people mock you for that. It's very difficult, and sometimes we, we run contrary. And you just think about Noah building an ark, a ship. And they laughed at him. They mocked him. Noah was the village idiot. There's that quacko Noah. He's, he's building an ark. We don't know why. It's a stupid thing to do, right? Hey, friends, this is a church. It doesn't matter if we're meeting here in this room where I'm at, or meeting online in your home, or meeting upstairs in Lounge Church. 
It doesn't matter. We're a church, and our purpose is trying to take people who are far away from God, just like Noah did, and introduce them to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. That's what we're about. We're a church. That's what we do. We introduce people to Christ, and we help them to grow in their faith. We love people where they're at, and we help them follow Jesus. That's what we do. And sometimes in doing that, we go against the crowd. But that's, that's our commitment here. And that was Noah's commitment as well. He's going to do what God asks him to do. Here's the second thing I pick up from Noah, is that you have to think long-term. Long-term. Noah had incredible faith. They just incredible. I mean, they're laughing at him. They're mocking him. And it takes 120 years to build the ark. Do you know why it took 120 years? Because he had to get a building permit from the city planners. <laughs> Didn't you see that one coming? You had to saw that one coming. I, okay, no, that's not true. Just a huge project, right? Right. And, and so if you want to think about commitments, that's, that's a long commitment. It, it's a very long commitment. I came to Grace Community Fellowship uh, 20 years ago. So I thought when I arrived, I would be here eight years and get my kids through high school and I would move away. And then in my late 40s, and I stayed longer than that, then by my late 40s, a man came into my office, uh, a person on our board, and he said, Steve, I'm going to give you some advice. I didn't ask for it, he just gave it to me. He said, I think you should leave Grace Community Fellowship before you're 50 or stay here the rest of your life. That's what he said to me. I, I, I still remember that conversation. And I still remember thinking, you know what? I'm going to make a long-term commitment to the people at Grace Community Fellowship because I love the people here, and I'm going to make that kind of long-term commitment because long-term commitments maximize impact in people's lives. So that's, that, that's why I think in terms of long-term commitments change everything. You make a long-term commitment to read the Bible. It changes you. I have friends that have the Bible app, like many of you do on your phone, and you pop it open, and it says, oh, you got, you got 300 straight days, 360, and you just kind of get in that, yeah, you just kind of get in that habit, right? You just get in, get in that routine, and reading the Bible changes you. Or you make that commitment to pray, and it changes you. Or you make a commitment to go to church. Yeah, and one of the things as a pastor after all these years that I've noticed, and, and I'm not the only one, that when people drift away from connecting with a church family, they spiritually drift away, and it's not good. And because they begin to think, I don't need the church thing. I don't need people. I can do this Jesus thing on my own. And maybe it sounds good in their head and even on paper, but it doesn't, life doesn't work that way. We need to make commitments to our church family. Jesus made a commitment to the church family. The Bible says he died for the church. That's a pretty big commitment. So we can make the commitment too, and a commitment to serve in ministry. Think of it this way. Jesus died on the cross for you. drug him outside the city gates, outside the walls, 
and they crucified him. And then three days later, he came back to life. And then he spent 40 days with his disciples, getting them all up to speed on some things and spent some time with them, and then he ascended into heaven. And before he left, he said this, Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's a long-term commitment to you. And likewise, to honor Jesus because we love him and we're so grateful, so thankful, we can make a commitment to Jesus Christ as well. Here's the third thing that I think is really important for commitments, and it's going first. I just want to talk about that for a minute because no one had ever built an ark, as far as I am aware of, a ship until Noah. He, he goes first. Now, for some of you, you're the first person in your family who became a believer in Jesus Christ. You crossed the line of faith, you trusted Christ, and you're the very first person. And the exciting part of that is that you have the opportunity to, to break the cycle in your family. Maybe your family has a lot of dysfunction, or maybe your family, everyone is an atheist or an agnostic, or, or maybe they just didn't really care about anything. But you're the first one, and you went first. That's so exciting, because you're going to change the course, not only your life, but of the people around you and your family. But for some of you, that's so hard, because in your family or your friend circle, you're the first one to go to trust Christ, and some people are hostile to you. They mock you in your new faith. They don't understand it, and, and you're facing a lot of pushback. I, I sympathize with that. But as you go first, recognize that the people who maybe oppose you, eventually they begin to understand, and eventually maybe they become Christians too. I don't know how many people I've talked to who says, I want, came to Christ first, and then, and then my family came to Christ. Family came to Christ. A couple of months ago, I was meeting with a guy. He's probably 75, and he says, I said, how did you become a Christian? And he goes, well, I was about 50. I said, well, how'd you become a Christian? He goes, well, my 25-year-old son led me to Christ. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, now my wife's a Christian, and now my rest of my family's in this. It all started from a 20-year-old college student who led his dad to the Lord. How about that? It's just amazing. But somebody has to go first. And sometimes when we make commitments, we are the ones who go first. We are the risk takers. When we go first, sometimes we feel like we're the only ones, and we may feel like we're abandoned. I mean, Noah, I can just see him building the ark there. And he's like, why am I doing all this? You know, it's very difficult. He's going first. And there may be times you just feel like God is nowhere to be found. Some of you feel that way today. You feel like, where is God? My life hurts. I don't know what to do with childcare. I can't get my kids in school. They're not learning anything. My job is up in the air. I got furloughed. I lost a week of wages. My car broke down. I'm struggling with my finances. I'm just emotionally drained. We feel that way. And in Genesis 8, 1, it says this, But God remembered Noah. And all the wild animals and the livestock were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. I just want you to think of that phrase. That's why I bring it up. God remembered Noah. 
So I want you to do this mentally. In your own mind, just think of this. Put your name in there. God remembered Steve. God remembered, you just put your name in there. God remembered me. He remembers you. He knows your situation. He doesn't forget you. And at times we feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live for the Lord. I'm trying to make those commitments and I feel all alone. Noah needed that little step of encouragement. When you take a step of faith and you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, God will not leave you alone. God will always be there. You may think you're all alone. You may think you went first. You may think you're alone. No one else in your family is following after God. No one at your workplace. The only reprieve you have is your church family. And God will not leave you. God will always be with you. Number four, as far as commitments, is just simply this. There may be a time when, when you obey when it sounds weird. Weird is my new favorite word, right? Because everything's weird. I'm wearing a mask while preaching a sermon. <laughs> weird. And all of you are looking at me like I'm weird. <laughs> and then some of you are in your pajamas at home doing church. That's not weird. But anything, everything's weird, right? And there may become times when God asks you to do something, and it just sounds like, why would anybody, why would anybody do that? Why would we do that? You know, and, and here's how weird things are. I was watching football yesterday. Go Ducks. Anyway, so, anyway. So, uh, and they had cardboard cutouts, right, in the stadium. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. So, so I got a little email a few weeks ago. It said, hey, for 75 bucks, I could have a cardboard cutout of myself in Autzen Stadium. And I looked at that and I went, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm gonna, and then I got to thinking, oh, but I'm a tightwad. I don't, I, I'm not going to waste money. That's just my nature. So I was very conflicted about maybe I could see myself on television or I could save that $75 and do something very productive with it. And I didn't buy it. But it just shows to me how weird times are uh, uh, right now, right? right? And I can see this scene with Noah, right? So let's think about this biblically. So Noah's building an ark, and God says, I want you to build this ship. Noah says, what's a ship? I've never seen an ark. I don't know what that is. God says, build a ship. What's this supposed to look like? And then God gives him the blueprints. He just kind of sees it. And then God says, there's going to be a flood. What's a flood? That's what Noah said, right? What's a flood? Some Bible scholars think it's never rained upon the earth up until this point, which might be. And so Noah's like, well, what's rain? You mean I'm going to build this boat in the desert and the water's going to come? Why don't we build it by the ocean? Yeah, that would make more sense, God. Let's build it close to the water. God says, no, I'm going to bring the water to you. I said, I've never seen a, a ship. I've never seen rain. I've never seen a flood. See, it all sounds so weird. Sometimes God will ask you to do something, and you will obey, and everyone else think you're the village idiot. Let me give you an example. 
Um, most years I go to Asia to teach at a pastor's conference. And uh, every time I go, I invite people to go with me. And some people have left their jobs for two weeks, spent $3,000 of their own money, and the people at their work think they're nuts. You're going where? That doesn't sound safe. I'm with my pastor. It really doesn't sound safe now. <laughs> and you're going you're gonna to use your own money for that? That sounds so weird. Right? God's going to ask you to do something, and it's going to sound weird to everybody else, but God is testing you with your commitments. God, God, God is testing you with that, with that, with that idea. Or maybe you get asked to serve in a ministry. So why would I do that, God? I got, I'm busy. I got my kids. I got my business. You know, it's just going to be odd. I have a friend. He was a commercial architect. He came to church here. And he was serving on our missions team. And he quit his job as an architect to go to India to be a missionary. That is so weird. Why would you give up such financial security? Why would you do that? Sometimes God will ask you to do something you don't understand why. I'm going to tell you what you ought to do. If God tells you to do it, you've prayed about it, God tells you to do it, just do it. Just do it. I mean, the ark took 120 years. I can just see Mrs. Noah in her diary. That was her name, Mrs. Noah. Year 119. Stardate log arc number 119. <laughs> I quit. My husband's an idiot. You know, what, I don't know what she wrote, right? <laughs> or she might have wrote, my husband wants to quit. I'm not letting him quit. Because <laughs> God told us to do this. Because God told us. I'm so thankful for the people of Grace Community Fellowship because 40 years ago, the church's 40 years of age, a group of people sat in a home and said, let's have a different kind of church where we really care about people who are far away from the Lord and we want to see people uh, come to know Christ. I mean, I just think of this climate that we're in today as far as, as uh, we have this initiative, Generations All In, and we want to continue as you saw in the video, our construction plans. And people are saying to me, Steve, that's just nuts to do this during a pandemic. We're hardly using our building. Well, actually, we're using our building a lot right now. And you know, you know what? The pandemic won't last forever. It won't. Jesus Christ is still King of kings and Lord of lords. He is on the throne. And God is moving our church into the future. And we're not going to tread water and do nothing. We're going to go all in. We're going, to make a, we're going to make an amazing commitment to reaching people, an amazing commitment to developing leaders, an amazing commitment to those who are hurt, amazing commitment to those who need help, amazing commitment to those who have children and are struggling at home. We're going to make an amazing commitment to the call of the gospel because the gospel of Jesus Christ changes people's lives. It's just what we do. And if God asks us to do something weird, and God is telling us, I don't know about you, but I'm all in. So three years ago, 300 households made commitments to finish our upstairs. And we want to keep that momentum going. Just like Noah faced difficulty. We have difficulty now. But God is faithful to us. We have no reason to worry. Nothing eternal has changed. Nothing.
eternal has changed. Therefore, we will trust him with where we're going. Here's the fifth thing just about commitments, and we'll just wrap this up. Rely on God's grace. You know, I love the word grace. It's one of my favorite theological words. Genesis 6, 8, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. If you're taking notes, that word favor is the Old Testament word for grace. He founds God's grace. When we say grace, that means God gives us something we do not deserve, and God helps us. Put it that way. Genesis 8.20 says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of, of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. So after the uh, ark landed, the flood goes away, Noah makes a big commitment and makes a sacrifice back to God. He's acknowledging that he would not have made it through the flood without God's provision. And then in Genesis 9.13 it says, God says, I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be given, it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So whenever you see a rainbow, that's God's pledge to you and to me never to destroy the earth by flood. So every time you see the rainbow, you have to be thinking about God's, God's provision. That God, that God is with us always. That God is a God of grace. So Noah has these promises, and they're all based on God's grace in his life. Because of Noah's obedience to what God tells him to do, a new reality sets in. Something new has come. God has refashioned the earth. Something new is here. And what I like about that is that's exactly what our church does. Our church is a place where people can make second chances, third chances, fourth chances. You mess up in life. You screw up. You've had a catastrophe because of poor decisions in your life. You need a place. That's Grace Community Fellowship. It's for people who are far away from God, who need those different chances, who need God's grace in their lives. That's what we're about. That's what happens when we make commitments based upon God's grace. Sometimes I've observed this, and it's happened to me. We don't want to make commitments in life until we get more information. Have you ever been that way? Because I'm an engineer by background, I like to see all the information. I want to see all the data. I gotta, I'll make a decision once I get all the information I need. I just got to have that in my life. But I've realized that's a strength and a curse. Because then I don't decide anything. I'm waiting around. I'm not making decisions. And maybe that's you. You just think, I just need to hear one more sermon. I need one more Bible verse. I mean, just think about the topic of forgiveness. Should you forgive other people who hurt you? Well, the answer is yes. But if you say, oh, I just need to read an extra Bible verse on that because I'm going to be bitter. I'm not going to forgive them. No, you don't need another Bible verse. You don't need more information. What you need is take an action, a step of obedience. I'm standing out on a football field, and I'm helping coach, and one of the coaches came up to me and explained that he and his wife had been in a near-fatal accident, and they had some questions about eternity and spiritual things. Right there in the middle of kids running around us, and I thought, this is not the time and place to have that conversation. And that was stupid of me to think that. And I just went, oh, yeah, let's talk about it right now. Because you strike when the iron's hot. And so right there we're having a conversation about Jesus 
in spiritual things right there in the middle of the football field. And so he and his wife start coming to church here. And then their lives are impacted. Now then on that football field, I could have thought, you know what? I need a little bit more information before I tell them about my own story and something about inviting them to church. And I need to hear another sermon and some really deep teaching. <laughs> no. I just need to obey. I need to get the words out of my mouth. Sometimes that happens to us. We fail to obey because we think we need a whole bunch more information. And the fact of the matter is we're being disobedient and we're using that as an excuse not to do what God would have us to do. Let's not be that way. Let's not be that way. We're the story of good news for people in their lives. I don't need a whole bunch more theology to get that figured out. I read through the story of Noah this week several times, and um, five times the Bible says he obeyed God. He just did what God told him to do. He's five for five. He's hitting a thousand. The guy's amazing. How about you? Are you batting a thousand? Or maybe you're not even swinging and you're not in the game. I challenge you right now, get into the game. Make a commitment. Be all in with Jesus Christ. Just be all in. One of the things for some of us, and it's not for everybody, if you're kind of new, I, I just want you to know that right now we are talking about expanding our facilities, even during a pandemic, and everybody here at church probably got one of these cards mailed to them. I think I have one here, here, one of these. And uh, I filled mine out this morning. I'm going to turn it in. Um, I've had longer to process than you have, but I'm, I, Mary and I are ready for that. And, and it's, a, it's a big commitment. One of the things I like about these initiatives is that it challenges us personally in our walk with God. We begin to pray. We begin to think through our commitments and what's really important in our priorities in life. So here's my request of you today. It's just simply to pray. That's my request of you today. That you take your card and you just pray about it. Just pray about what God would have you to do. Pray for our church. Pray for our church leaders. Pray for the ministries of Grace Community Fellowship. Pray for the spiritual impact that we have in people's lives. And pray that we could just have more than we've ever seen. Because people are ready. People are ready for something that is meaningful and fulfilling and that will change their lives. And that's what we're about as a church. So I'm inviting you to make a commitment with me. A commitment to Christ. A commitment to spiritual impact and ministry. And maybe, maybe, we will be surprised beyond all measure about what God can do. We're going to be surprised. It will be amazing. Let's pray. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son Jesus. And we just pray, Father, that our commitment to you could be 100%. And that we would commit our hearts to you, our minds to you, our priorities to you. Father, I just pray that in the oncoming weeks that we would see a spiritual harvest at Grace Community Fellowship. And so, Lord, we pray this in the amazing power of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.